Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman. This is episode 13 of the winter semester edition of my show, but it's also the second last episode of my entire show. So for anyone who didn't listen to my show last week, basically I made the announcement that I'm going to be ending my show slash podcast moments of genius april 20th is the series finale so be on the lookout april 20th i have a really kind of unique series finale show planned so be on the lookout for that but today's show it's the second last one and so i kind of wanted to wrap up loose ends and what I mean by that is last week I did a big European Championship preview for the tournament this summer, and now I'm going to go through pretty much all the other sports leagues that I follow in some kind of decent amount of detail, and the ones I talk about a lot, and so I wanted to go through all the different leagues and basically do quick little segments. So today, instead of my normal three I've been doing on my podcast for a while, I'm going to do five segments. They're going to be a little bit shorter. But I'm going to have an NFL draft segment, a Canadian Premier League segment, a European football segment, an NBA segment, and to kick things off today, an NHL segment. So basically, in all of the different sports I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to try to do predictions if I can, assuming they're going through a season right now. So starting with the NHL. I will quickly talk about the trade deadline that happened over the last week. So we had not a ton of moves, but there were some notable ones. Savard went to Tampa Bay from Columbus, which if someone can explain the Tampa Bay Lightning's cap situation to me properly, then I would love for that to happen because I think Tampa Bay has gone into the fine print of the fine print of the salary cap rules in order to be able to afford their players. That's my theory anyway on that. Good pickup for the Lightning. Nice little bit of asset management from the Blue Jackets who got a first round pick out of that. Columbus was also busy sending Nick Foligno to the Toronto Maple Leafs in addition, in exchange I should say, for a first round pick and a couple other things. Toronto and, Col Toronto and Tampa Bay needed a third team to kind of make the money work. And so... They had to send out a lot of draft picks, but for Toronto, getting Felino means there's another depth option, another scoring option come the postseason, which is obviously, I think, what Toronto is 100% gearing up towards because the Leafs made another trade in acquiring Calgary Flames' very own David Riddick. And so, first of all, I'm really sad that Riddick is leaving because I love Riddick and his time in Calgary he, he's been one of my favorite players since he kind of became a regular with the team. And so it kind of sucks that he's leaving, but at the same time, Calgary got a third-round pick out of it. It wasn't bad asset management. He was an expiring contract. What I don't get is why Toronto would want a goalie, unless Frederick Anderson is, like, really, really hurt. But, of course, none of that's been disclosed because, as I've talked about on my show, I hate the NHL injury system. The NHL is so bad when it comes to the injury stuff that it's just not even worth talking about. So, anyway, the point is, Toronto, I think, has sent a message to their team saying that they're all in. And I appreciate that. 
And then finally, I wanted to talk about Sam Bennett to the Panthers. So this trade, it sucks because I think everyone was expecting more out of Sam Bennett. But at the same time, Bradshaw Living actually did pretty well in this trade. He got essentially two second round picks because the Emil Heimanen, I just totally butchered that name, Emil Heimanen, I think that's how you say it. I apologize if I completely butchered that, but he was the second round pick Florida took last year in the NHL draft and apparently was a player that was very that was very um, very much looked at by Calgary, to say the least. And so the Flames get a second-round pick from a year ago, who is currently playing in Sweden, and they get a second-round pick a year from now. So they basically traded Bennett for two seconds. And considering the fact that Sam Bennett has pretty much been a fourth-liner most of his career, pretty good trade, I would say, in my opinion. So sad to see Bennett go. I hope he does well with Florida. Florida will be in the playoffs this year, so... That should be exciting for him. For Calgary, it's good asset management is kind of what it is. So that's the trade deadline stuff. Now, I want to do my NHL bracket. Now, I realize that it is mid-April, and I get that there are still lots of games to, you know, take place. But I think we have enough of a look at what the playoffs are going to look like that I'm going to do my fun little playoff bracket. Will the playoff bracket that I do right here, right now, be wrong? Probably, because all these matchups could be different, and who knows what injuries and what other stuff could happen in the next month. But it's fun. I like doing it. It's fun, and this is my second last episode. I wanted to kind of wrap up my NHL stuff. So, here we go. My bracket for the NHL playoffs. And again, big asterisk, this is all subject to change, (laughs) because... You know, this is a little too early to be doing it, but it's fun. So, I'll start with the North Division. We have currently four teams that are in playoff spots that will, barring a miracle, be the four teams in the playoffs. As far as the order, it's looking more and more like Toronto will be the one seed, they'll play Montreal, and Winnipeg will be the two seed or the three seed, and they'll play Edmonton. So, I'll start with the Toronto-Montreal series. I think, theoretically, this would be the dream scenario for Rogers Sportsnet because the ratings would be off the charts for a Montreal-Toronto playoff series. I also think it would be really exciting to watch just because I think Montreal has generally a pretty good edge in in net. And I know you're going to say, well, Jack Campbell's been really good for Toronto. And yeah, he has. But I don't think Jack Campbell's performance is sustainable. I think Montreal is capable of getting good goaltending when they need to out of Price and Allen. So I would give an edge in goal to Montreal. I would also give an edge on defense to Montreal, although granted Toronto's defense has been way better this season. Forward group, it's not even close though. Toronto's forward group is miles better than Montreal's. And it would be tough because Toronto's been really good, like whether they're at home or away, like they've pretty much just been really good all season. And obviously, this team hasn't won a playoff series since 2004, and so they're going up against history. For Montreal, they won a playoff series last year in the qualifying round against Pittsburgh. But of course, the Canadians have been super inconsistent, and I really didn't like the coaching change they made midseason. I thought that was a very poor decision by Mark Bergevin. And so when I look at it in its entirety, I'm going to pick the Leafs in seven. 
The other series, Winnipeg and Edmonton. This one's close, again, because Winnipeg, I think, has a really good team but has questions on defense, although Connor Halibut is really good and can make up for that. Edmonton has been really good this season, but the question is, can they sustain it? Because Edmonton succeeds when they get depth scoring and when they get good play out of their defense and goaltending. They've gotten that this season. Do you trust Mike Smith to keep playing well, though? Do you trust the Edmonton defense to keep playing well? Do you trust the Edmonton depth scoring to keep producing? That's the question in this series. Because if Edmonton gets the production they need out of the non-McDavid and Dreisaitl guys, they're going to win the series. If they don't continue to get that production, they're not going to win. And so with that in mind, and considering Winnipeg has a lot of experience in the playoffs, and they have a better goalie, I'm going with the Jets. So I'm picking Winnipeg in seven, and I realize that pick might be just based on bias, but I don't care. So I have Winnipeg and Toronto meeting in the semifinals. I'm going to pick the Jets to be the Canadian representative. I'm picking Winnipeg in seven over the Leafs. Again, largely due to Halibut and the fact that Winnipeg, I think, has a much better forward group than Montreal does. So that's my North Division predictions. Quickly with the other ones. In the West Division, Colorado would play St. Louis if the playoffs started today. Would be a great series, by the way. I'd pick Colorado to win in six, though, because I think Colorado's team is just unbelievably loaded. Vegas would play Minnesota. Minnesota is really exciting thanks to their superstar forward Kaprizov, but Vegas, to me, has way too much good. Like they have way too many good players, and so I would pick Vegas in five over Minnesota, which would put Colorado and Vegas in the semifinals. That game would be outstanding, and I'm gonna pick Avalanche in seven. So Colorado wins that in seven. In the East Division, I, if the playoffs started today, it would be Washington versus Boston. I'm actually going to call an upset here. I'm going to pick Boston in seven over Washington. And then the other series would be the Islanders and the Penguins. The Islanders, if they hadn't lost Lee, I think I'd feel a lot more confident in them. Pittsburgh, though, hasn't exactly shown a ton of a ton of things to be excited about this year. Although, if they get Malkin back, I think... Damn, it's close. I'm going to pick, actually, the Islanders in seven. So Islanders-Bruins would be my semifinal. I'm going to pick Boston to beat the Islanders and advance to the final four. And then finally, the Central Division. We would have Carolina facing Nashville if the playoffs started today, and Tampa Bay facing Florida. Tampa Bay, I think, would beat Florida in five or six games. I don't think that series would be that close, to be honest, but Florida's probably good enough to win a game or two. Carolina, I think, would beat Nashville very easily. Nashville was a team that was, like, trying to tank earlier in the season, and I know they've played a lot better as of late, but I would have to lean Carolina, Pan uh, sorry, uh, Hurricanes in five, and so that would mean Carolina would face Tampa Bay in the semifinals. Another brilliant series, by the way. It's hard to go against the defending champs, though. I'm going to say Lightning in seven. So my final four would be Tampa Bay, Winnipeg, Boston, and Colorado. It's hard to pick who would win after that because we don't know who would play each other. So I'm just going to pick of those four teams that I predict in the final four, who do I think will win the Stanley Cup? 
I'm picking Colorado, and I realize I picked Colorado last year, too. But their team is really good, and it feels like it's inevitable. They just need to get healthy, because last year they, like, lost all their goalies to injury. So, I'm picking Colorado to win in the Final Four. They are my Stanley Cup prediction. Once again, take it, take it with a grain of salt, but it's a lot of fun. So, moving on to the NBA. In segment number two, I'm going to do my NBA bracket here really quickly. So, there's a quick little note I need to do with the NBA because this year there is the play-in tournament. So, basically what's happening is the seventh seed in the conference is playing the eighth seed, and then the ninth seed is playing the tenth seed. The winner of the 9-10 game faces the loser of the 7-8 game for the final playoff spot. That's kind of how this works. And so, for that reason, I can't really do exact matchups. However, I don't think any of the teams currently in the playing game would actually win a playoff series outside of one team in the West that I'll get to here in a second. So I'll start in the East, and currently the teams that would be in the play-in game if the playoffs started today would be Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, and Chicago. I don't think any of those teams are actually winning a playoff series against the big three in the East, which is Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. And so obviously, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, I think would win the first round very easily. The 4-5 matchup, if it started today, would be Atlanta and Boston. That I think would be kind of exciting. Atlanta's kind of a little bit of an upstart team. Boston's a little bit more experienced. I would pick the Celtics to win the series, but I think Atlanta could certainly pull off an upset if they were... You know, if Trey Young kind of shows what he can do in the playoffs. So that would leave Boston facing off with Philly and Brooklyn facing off with Milwaukee in the second round, assuming that happens. So Brooklyn-Milwaukee would be a fantastic series. Unfortunately, Milwaukee's playoff failures would make me pick Brooklyn. So I'm picking the Nets in seven. The other series would be Philly and Boston. Boston has actually owned Philadelphia for the most part over the last couple of seasons. However, this year, I really like this Philadelphia team. I think they are pretty well balanced. Boston has been inconsistent like crazy all season. So, I'm going to pick Philadelphia to beat Boston, which would set up Philadelphia and Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference Final. Another fantastic series. I would have to lean Brooklyn though. Their play they just they have too many good players on offense. They really do. So I'm picking the Nets to beat the Sixers, Brooklyn to the NBA Finals out of the East. In the West, the four teams that would be in the play-in game if it started today would be Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, and San Antonio. Outside of Dallas, I don't think any of the other three are that relevant. And I'm gonna assume Dallas gets the seventh seed. Not a guarantee, but I'm gonna assume. So Utah would play the 8th seed, because Utah's currently the number 1 seed in the West. I think Utah would win easily. So, Jazz through to the semifinals. Phoenix would play Dallas, theoretically, in this scenario. And I know this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I'm picking the Mavericks in an upset. So, I would have Dallas beating Phoenix, just because I think Dallas... Luka Doncic is so amazing. Phoenix, outside of Chris Paul, is really inexperienced. So, I would pick the Mavericks. Clippers would face the Blazers in this scenario. I would pick the Clippers in seven. And then the Nuggets would face the Lakers. Unfortunately, with Jamal Murray tearing his ACL. By the way, my heart goes out to him. With Murray gone, 
it would be the Lakers, even though the Lakers are probably going to be really injured when they play the Nuggets. But I would pick L.A. to win. So that would mean the semifinals would be Utah versus the Lakers and the Clippers versus the Mavericks. Rematches, well, the Clippers-Mavericks is a rematch of last year's first round. And I think Dallas would get their revenge. I'm picking Dallas, the seventh seed, to go all the way to the conference finals as a little bit of an upset pick. And I'm picking Utah to beat the Lakers, and that would mean Utah would play Dallas in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm picking the Jazz to go all the way to the NBA Finals. I really like their team. I think they're really well balanced. I think they've definitely figured out how to be the best version of themselves. So, Utah and Brooklyn would be my NBA Finals pick today. And I'm picking the Nets to win the title because they, again, have too many good players. We'll see if they can bring it together for postseason. Okay, on to segment number three, which is my European football segment. So for this one, I'm going to quickly go through all the leagues and then talk about the Champions League. So in the leagues, in the big five in Europe, we have in England, Man City has basically won the league. The battle for third and fourth is really exciting, though, because West Ham, Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton are still within you know, a close enough gap that they could all theoretically finish in third or fourth. In Syria, Inter have almost wrapped up the league, which is a tremendous, exciting thing because Juventus have owned Syria for the last, it feels like, decade. But Inter Milan looks like it's going to be their season to win. And outside of them, really close race for the top four, which is exciting. In France, we have a legit four-team title race. PSG, Lille, Monaco, Lyon, all neck and neck fighting for the title. Should be an exciting finish. In the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich's probably going to win again. Leipzig's the only team even relatively close to them. In Spain, it's a three-team race. Atletico is first place by one point. Madrid and Barcelona right on their heels. Very exciting. The Champions League. So the Champions League quarterfinals finished up a couple days ago. And... We have our semifinals. Real Madrid is facing Chelsea. Manchester City is facing PSG. This is tough because I got three out of four wrong in the quarterfinals. So that's kind of embarrassing. So take it with a grain of salt. But I'm going to pick PSG to win the whole thing because the team that's eliminated Bayern Munich the last several Champions Leagues has gone on to win the thing. So PSG just eliminated Bayern Munich. I'm going to pick Paris to win the Champions League. And their opponent, let's say Real Madrid, will be the final. All right, segment number four, Canadian Premier League stuff. So they haven't started their season yet, but here's a few notables about the Canadian Premier League. So they want to start Victoria Day long weekend, which is kind of at the end of May. The problem is only four out of the eight clubs are actually allowed to train right now, and those four are Edmonton and Cavalry, which is Calgary's team, and then Halifax and Atletico Ottawa. The Ontario teams aren't allowed to train yet. And I know you're going to say, well, uh, Ottawa is an Ontario team. Why aren't they allowed to train? Well, because Atletico Ottawa basically got to go to Spain to do preseason. So first of all, props to Atletico for, you know, being a good parent club, but also it kind of sucks for Forge and it sucks for York 9 because they can't do that. They don't have the resources that Atletico Ottawa does. And so 
those two clubs still can't train valor in winnipeg still can't train pacific in british columbia also still can't train so that's a problem we also have a problem of there is no schedule yet and the rosters aren't even done for most teams so atletico ottawa has 13 publicly confirmed players right now forge has 16 FC Edmonton has 20, so they're almost at a full roster. York United has 23, so their roster's full. Halifax has 18, so they still have a few roster spots. Pacific has 21. Valor has 18. Cavalry has 17. And so, we don't even have full rosters yet. Like, I'm a little worried about... I know the league wants to start Victoria Day. I just don't. I'm not. Like, let every day that goes on, it feels like it's less and less likely to happen. I really hope we can get a season, like a full Canadian Premier League season this year. I'm just starting to doubt whether or not they'll be able to start on time. I'm thinking Canada Day might be a more realistic start date than Victoria Day because, again, with the rosters not done, with the lack of clubs allowed even to train, let alone play games, I think probably it's going to be more of a candidate day start would be my guess. Okay, and finally, my last segment today, NFL Draft. So, the NFL Draft is in a couple weeks, and for anyone who has listened to my show before, you know that I don't watch college football. Why don't I watch college football? Well... I hate the way the NCAA exploits exploits players for profit and basically basically gets free labor, which is, you know, you could argue in some ways kind of like slavery, but that's a whole nother can of worms discussion. Anyway, even though I don't watch college football, I do love following the draft. And so what I do is I do my research. I go and look at the scouts and I look at the people who follow college football and basically I like comparing where they have players ranked and that's not a perfect measure but it gives kind of a good idea for what's going to happen and who might go where which is always exciting so really quickly on the quarterbacks thing so it sounds like Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars seems like a sure thing Zach Wilson to the Jets also seems like a sure thing and then Mac Jones to San Francisco seems like a sure thing, which is interesting because Mac Jones, depending on who you ask, is either like the fifth best quarterback or like the second best quarterback. So we'll see. Time will tell on whether or not San Francisco, if they do make that selection, whether or not they'd be right. The other two quarterbacks, though, Trey Lance is interesting because he opted out of the college season this past year so he's kind of an unknown in some ways and then there's Justin Fields now Justin Fields and I want to make this very clear he reminds me a lot of Dan Marino and when I say that I mean his situation his situation reminds me a lot of Marino because for anybody who hasn't seen the ESPN 30 for 30 Elway to Marino documentary go watch it first of all but if you haven't seen it, basically, they outline this really good story of the 83 draft class. And so in the 83 draft class, we had John Elway, who was this generational talent, you know, best quarterback, all that stuff. But then Dan Marino 
was the sixth guy taken in that first round for quarterbacks. And so Dan Marino, going into his final college season, was considered the 1B to Elway. So there was John Elway, who most people considered the best quarterback prospect. But then Dan Marino was, if not as good, just behind Elway. And then he kind of had a so-so mediocre season, and he fell all the way down to the end of the first round. Obviously got picked by, by got picked by Miami and had a Hall of Fame career. Justin Fields, I'm not saying he's going to have a Hall of Fame career. I'm not saying he's going to be Dan Marino. But his situation is very similar. This is a player that was considered the 1B prospect to Trevor Lawrence, right? So, you know, if he wasn't as good as Lawrence, he was just behind. And now he had kind of a so-so final season. He's fallen down the draft boards. So very similar situation. I'm excited to see what happens with Fields in his NFL career. Okay, other notables. The Cincinnati Bengals apparently are tossing up whether or not they should pick a wide receiver or pick an offensive lineman, to which I'm going to bang my head against the wall, pick an offensive lineman because their offensive line is terrible. And then the Philadelphia Eagles. So, I had the pleasure, and I'm saying this sarcastically, I had the pleasure of reading an article on The Athletic, which was a fantastic article, by the way, about how the Eagles are a dysfunctional nightmare. And it all starts with the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, and the basically the CEO GM, Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have basically run the team into the ground after making good decisions to build the roster for the championship team and then getting hella arrogant and kicking out Doug Peterson and trading Wentz and yeah, this all, all kinds of stuff. So I'm going to cross my fingers and get on my knees and beg, please, please don't mess up this draft pick. We need a good player. The Eagles haven't had a good draft in years, and we really need a good player in this first round. So please, please, Eagles, don't mess it up. They probably will because, again, they're a dysfunctional nightmare, but I'm really hoping they don't. So that's it. That's all I got. That's kind of wrapping up my loose ends. So next week is going to be a very special show. It's my series finale, and so it'll be really unique. It's not going to look like or sound like... I guess you can't look at it. It's not going to sound like my other shows. It's going to be very unique. It's going to be about kind of the three and a half years I've been able to do Moments of Genius. And so very excited to bring that next week, series finale. Look forward to that. Once again, really quickly, take all my brackets with a grain of salt. They're just fun. I wanted to kind of wrap them up. We'll see how correct or probably incorrect I end up being later this summer. But to everybody out there, be happy, be healthy, and stay safe.